This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Welcome to Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. I am your host, Phil McCabe. I'm very excited to have today's guest, Tony Coons, join me. She reached out to me on Facebook through, ironically enough, a relative of hers that is in school with my partner. So it's such a, a, a weird little connection, but a great connection all the better. Uh, thank you for joining me, Tony. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. So, Tony, you sent me quite the, uh, the story when reaching out to me about being on the show. So why don't we share that with the listeners? What, uh, what is kind of the elevator pitch of your story and what made you want to come on the show today? Absolutely. Well, back in uh, 20, I guess, 2013, I was uh, widowed at 47. A couple of years later, my mom passed. And I think that that period of time began uh, a snowball effect, which culminated in health anxiety for me, which presented in 2016, where I started to have uh, not only feelings of anxiousness, but pain throughout my body, pain in my pelvis, pain in my shoulders, various degrees of tightness, etc. And before this episode, pain had always meant something was wrong. I'd never experienced an, an episode where pain was a result of stress. And I learned how deeply idiopathic pain can impact your life, your work, and your, um, your, basically your tension as you're trying to find a solution to what is wrong. Well, and I, I find it interesting that you said that, you know, your, your anxiety led to, to physical manifestations, because that, that seems to be so far in the four or five episodes of this podcast that I've done now, that's a common thread that it is a physical manifestation of your body being like, hey, something's not not sitting well, Let, let's get this figured out. Backtracking a little bit, you said that you were widowed in 2013. If you're comfortable with it, can you kind of explain the feelings that went with that? And was this something that you had been mentally prepared for ahead of time? I, I know you had mentioned that it was a stroke that took your late husband. So what was that like? Well, actually, um, and ironically, it was incredibly sudden. My husband was an amateur soccer player at a very high level, and he actually had a stroke at a soccer match. The team that he was playing opposite had not only a, a heart a doctor on the team, but uh, two of our players were very high level uh, paramedicine as a result of their careers as well. So. He passed very quickly, very suddenly, and I found myself having a very strange level of, of calm and strength around the entire event and kind of through even weeks and months afterward, as I think I felt myself as being the person responsible for his legacy and making sure that saying goodbye to him was done in a fashion that was in character for him. And it really was. We ended up having a huge tailgating party at the funeral parlor, which you would do for, you know, someone who loved sports, loved his friends and loved showing up. 
People warned me, however, they said, when this calm and all of this leadership ability subsides, you're going to break, you're going to lose your mind, basically. And at the time, I was like, yeah, no, not helpful. And it took some time, I believe that those events and losing my mom also precipitated the, the mental health situation. Now, with my mom, it was interesting, my mother had Alzheimer's and uh, she was in the advanced stages of her Alzheimer's when my husband passed. So we decided as a family that the kind, de kind decision would be to not tell my mom that my husband had passed away. So when I went to see her, she kept sending home leftovers for him and different things for him and stuff. So I was taking home these leftovers for a deceased person, putting them in the fridge. And I said to my sister, if mom continues to remember him, we might have to send him to Florida to coach soccer or something. So I am very much at peace with having made that decision to spare my mother, but I also think that was eroding to me as a person. And I don't think I sought the help I needed at the time to get through that. Uh, and um, as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself how I would handle that situation because yeah. uh, my my late grandmother she she had dementia in her last days and same with my grandfather uh what before he had passed and you know in my grandmother's case it was a scenario where even if we told her she would have forgotten five ten minutes later but it's still you know as a family member as someone you care about you almost feel obligated to to let them know this person's no longer around and like you said, uh, the best way to honor someone's legacy is to to keep telling their story, keep living life the way they would want you to. Now, bringing things back to uh, how you were impacted physically, was there a particular situation that kind of was the spark for, okay, I, I need to, to start, as you put it in your message to me, start getting these battery of tests and, and try and track down what was happening? Absolutely. And I even remember that the moment it happened, I had been battling a tooth infection with an impacted tooth. So that was a real thing. And I'd been to the dentist, antibiotics and so forth. And I was lying in bed and I felt this severe pinching up in my pelvis. And I said to myself, lying in bed, that's weird and that's not normal. So, you know, you assume that it's, you know, some sort of it's reproductive or it's something kind of going on in that realm. You know, we have a lot of plumbing to look after. So I assumed something was the matter. And that did lead to me going to the doctor to whom I had not visited uh, in six years. And I wondered after the fact if I had kind of lost my faith in the entire medical system because in addition to my mom and my husband, I had also lost about six or seven friends young in an untimely fashion over that the period. So I finally went to the doctor and I had this entire battery of tests. I had ultrasounds, I had blood work, I had heart tests, all of which came out to a diagnosis that I was basically intact-ish and healthy. Um, a little bit overweight, a little bit of a fatty liver, but certainly nothing that should be bringing about the level of pain. Um, at its worst, I was actually sitting on a donut while I worked um, because the pain in my pelvis was so bad. And I had my, like, my arms of my chair raised up. So I was sitting there like a vulture 
And then the entire journey of explaining this to people who had never known me in this condition was another complete set of, of issues and thoughts. Well, and I can imagine too, especially with not knowing what was happening. And as you said, you know, pain in your pelvis is not something that's narrowed to a singular thing, like only that causes pain in the pelvis. So I can only imagine that explaining that to different people, you'd get, oh, well, it must be X or it must be Z. And everyone and their mother's an expert without actually figuring out what was going on. Was it cathartic to when you finally got to a point when you realized, okay, this is, this is more than just physical. This is, this is real. Yes, I, I would say so. And it was actually a family member who has a similar mental health configuration and also experienced the pelvic pinching that got me on the road to kind of investigating that. And yes, so now when I have things occur to my body and I have kind of a set of 10 to 12 things, I know most of the time that this is representative of stress and anxiety. Occasionally, I'll have three or four symptoms happen concurrently. And it was actually only 10 days ago that I had tightness in my chest, bad heartburn, and an elevated heart rate. And as a woman of 53 years of age, that night I had trouble differentiating between anxiety symptoms or is this something that needs checking out? Mm -hmm. So I tried several uh, remedies over six hours to help myself. I have breathing that I do, rescue breathing, um, speaking to people that calm me down, and, and yet the heart rate stayed elevated. So I actually did go to the hospital because I thought, you know, I, I didn't feel comfortable diagnosing myself. You know, in my own experience, uh, I've learned over time of trying to look internally and trying to understand my own mental health. Yeah. I, I've been able to pick up certain cues of what's a physical problem and what's just my anxiety telling me, hey, you know, you're you're a little bit upset about something, you're disturbed by something. So here's some pain in your chest, here's some pressure and so on. Um, now, you talked about, you did some meditation and breath control and stuff. Do you, did you find that that was something that was immediately helpful or was it something that you had to kind of continue to work at before it became a, a relief for you? I would say like anything, you get more proficient if you open yourself to a process like that. Um, exercise is certainly also beneficial. And I keep coming across these strange guardian angels in my community and in, in my life. I have a new pharmacist, he's wonderful. And he reminded me that cortisol, which builds up in our body and can trigger our symptoms can also be dissipated through exercise. And it's not just about you know feeling good, it can really actually change what's going on. Um, my allergist reminded me that staying hydrated will keep my histamine levels down. And again, that can be helpful in stabilizing, stabilizing myself. But yeah, certainly with meditation, I would say if I'm committed to what I'm doing within 30 minutes, I can stabilize myself and, and reduce my body reaction. How did you find these meditation practices and how do you enact those practices? Well, there's actually two that I use. One is the app called Breathe, B-R-E-E-T-H-E. 
and it has a number of wonderful uh, meditations, guided meditations for anxiety, for going to sleep. They're always refreshing what's on the site. And I also uh, did look up two by the anxiety guide. And one of them is just a basic primer to get you breathing and chilling out. The second is actually um, a guided meditation directly for people that suffer from health anxiety. And it includes some mantras that we tell ourselves, you know, that we are more safe than we believe ourselves to be, that our body will heal, etc. And that before bed has been really useful to, um, I think, helping me not only fall asleep, but reset. That, that's wonderful. Um, we're running out of time here, but I really wanted to give you a chance to kind of promote yourself because you told me that you're a novelist and that you d- you're self-employed. So anyone out there looking uh, to get to know more about Tony Coons, how can they do that? And uh, what are you working on nowadays? Okay, well, I'm actually completely and utterly unpublished, although since my anxiety began, I've, I've treated two novel length uh, pieces. Uh, one of them is modern and having to do with people navigating life. The other is science fantasy. But if I could, Philip, I'd love to leave you with a thought for mental health and those who have someone in their life who is working through a mental health journey. And that is, people often ask us, are you feeling better today? And it's so well meant, but I think sometimes people hope that like a sprained ankle or a sick dog or mold on the wall, that this is something linear and quick and that a reset will bring us back to what they thought our neurotypical state was. I love it so much more when people say, and I try to say, tell me about your day. How are you today? Because that means that they're accepting me holistically, no matter how I am now and no matter how I may be in a year or in five years. Well, that is a fantastic note to close on, Tony. I I appreciate that. Uh, You took my last question because I always ask my guests, what's one thing you want people to know? So thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you very, very much. And I, I am so happy that I was able to participate. If you would like to be a guest on the show or you just want to share your story, either publicly or anonymously, you can contact me at phil at 1059theregion.com or you can reach out to info at 1059theregion.com. Until then, I close with You Are Loved. This has been Mental Health Moments brought to you by 1059 The Region. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to New Music on The Region, an interview-based podcast that showcases new music and provides industry insight. I'm your host, Christina Lavecchia, Music Director at 105.9 The Region. Whether it's a brand new talent or an established artist, we bring you conversations with performers from York Region and beyond. But I just want to know who you've been talking to all night. Feeling like we're fading, yeah, I'm feeling out of touch. Know that you don't treat me right, but I love you too much. Way too much to quit.
episode of New Music on the Region podcast, we're speaking with Canadian alternative pop music artist Mikaelin Hay. At 2.5 million streams, the Guelph, Ontario-based artist recently released her new single, I Love You Too Much. And Mikaelin is on the line with me right now. Hey, Mikaelin, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Wow, 2.5 million streams. A lot of people are tuning into your music. When releasing a song, is there this pressure to exceed streams of previous releases? How do you measure the success of a song? It's actually kind of a funny story because um, the songs that really gained popularity for me were EDM songs, and they gained the most popularity in Brazil. So that was always something that was really interesting to me, watching the analytics and watching how those songs were doing. So I'd say with this release of my latest song, there was definitely a lot more pressure on myself and my team just because we hadn't really released something independently in a while and it was a complete different genre of music. So I was interested to see how the people were going to react to it. But so far the response has been great. It's been going it's been going really well. So you started off as an electronic dance music artist. What made you want to make that transition to alt pop? I was reached out to by a record label in Brazil to remix some of the songs that I was currently writing and had released with my friend Chris. We had released an EP called Love Again, and they had found it and asked if they could redo all of the songs. And we said yes, just because they weren't doing much as, like, we didn't really put them out with that much of a release plan. And then, so when we said yes, they went and remixed all the songs. And then that's kind of how I got into the like EDM world. But the songs would always start out as like piano ballads with just me and the keyboard. So it's been really cool to see how they've transformed. But I, I definitely really wanted to get back to kind of like the roots of what I feel like represents me as an artist. So for listeners who don't know, what is alt pop? How would you describe your sound? I really don't entirely know how to describe it. It's like there's so many different strands of it now, and I love it because it's my favorite type of music to listen to. I feel like all pop music is the kind of music that you listen to with the windows down in the summer. Like, I feel like that's the perfect way to describe it. A lot of the time, it's feel good, but then you also have, like, the more, like, bedroom pop or dark pop, which is another way that I've described my sound. So it really just depends on the day that you're listening to it and the mood you're in because I feel like in the whole genre as a whole there's like so many different little sections of it. And you have a new song out called I Love You Too Much. You released it earlier this month. Tell us about the song. That song was the first one that I wrote in quarantine, actually, like when everything had shut down. And the song was basically started with my friend Chris and I. He had created the track, and then what we always do is freestyle over the beat and just sing completely random things until something sticks. So we were doing that, and then um, the phrase, I love you too much, stuck out to us. So that is what we decided to title the song, and then we kind of worked with the rest around that title and around a storyline basically of being in a relationship and feeling like you're in it more than your partner is which I feel like is unfortunately a pretty universal feeling that everybody's gone through at least once and when we were in the recording process I'm a huge fan of harmonies I love harmonies so um, I knew that I wanted to have quite a few in the chorus so it was a lot of fun for me to record because it was a lot of harmonies to like talk and double track but Chris is a trooper so he was able to do all of it and it was a lot of fun 
And you've done quite a few collaborations with Chris Gray, a Toronto-based producer. Um, So how was it working together on the song and video during a pandemic? It was definitely um, difficult. I mean, outdoor co-writes are always interesting because you never really know what you're going to get. And um, the music video was another fun one because we decided it just like on a whim to shoot it. It was shot in Guelph, which is where I'm from. We rented a car and shot it outside. So it was it was a pretty fun one to film just because I got to drive a car that wasn't my minivan, which is what I usually drive. It's also not mine, it's my parents, but um, that's what I was usually driving. But we got to rent one for the video. And it was definitely a very different experience from usual because you'd be able to like physically be there every day and not be doing work and planning over the phone or over Zoom or FaceTime. But luckily, I feel like now online methods of communication are a lot better. And so we were able to do it um, online. And you received a lot of positive feedback on the song on YouTube. How does it feel to hear that encouragement from fans? It's honestly so amazing. Um, I think it means so much to every artist, especially independent artists, when they hear positive feedback or even constructive criticism. Like I know on my Patreon, I'll always show them my new songs, my unreleased songs, and ask for feedback type of thing. And it's just so great to know that your voice is being heard and that there are people who want to hear more from you. And I've always loved performing. I really, really do miss the live aspect of the industry. So I would say it's awesome to hear positive feedback because you feel like your hard work is paying off. And you debuted I Love You Too Much while opening for a live stream concert Scott Hellman did. How was that experience compared to, let's say, sharing a song for the first time on a stage at a venue? It was so much fun just because that was um, my first concert or live event, I guess, since COVID. It was the first time that I actually left my house for an event because I've been doing a lot of live streaming. And the song was really well recepted. I had... um, a lot of people reach out after that concert and tell me or ask me about the song. So usually I would have done like either a release party, like a little like type of thing where I um, get some people together, do a live show and show them the song there. But I feel like this was the next best thing to that, especially given the circumstances of the world right now with COVID. And so it was, it was a lot of fun, and I got to stay on a tour bus as my dressing room, which was super cool. And did you find it more or less intimate? Because, you know, when you're online, you get kind of get that immediate feedback through comments versus when you're on stage, you mm-hmm. might not get that immediate response. How did you find it? I found it actually pretty good. I mean, I couldn't read the comments for that one um, as it was going on just because they didn't have a stream or like a screen for me to read them. But usually when I do live stream events, I, I feel like they're really intimate in a way because you're communicating directly with the person on the other end of their computer. Um, a lot of the times I take requests and it's such a good feeling when you ask for requests and somebody requests a song of yours. So I feel like there is that intimacy. I don't think it's ever going to be exactly the same as like sitting in a room with people and playing for people in a room because there's just an energy but I feel like this is definitely the next best thing. And you're an artist who is used to being on stage doing open mics. And how has the last year been for you since the pandemic restrictions? How, how have you been coping? I'm lucky enough to be in school currently. So for this second lockdown, I've really just thrown myself into my studies. I am studying music. So what I'm learning is beneficial to my passion as well and my career. But the first lockdown was definitely something 
different because I didn't really know what to expect. I don't think anybody did. So it was constant like, oh, like is next month am I going to be able to gig again? What is like the new rule? Like it was very hard to follow, I think. But what I was able to use that time for was really focusing in on who I am as an artist and what I wanted my sound to be like. And that's kind of where I Love You Too Much was born from, was me sitting back and thinking about what I wanted to be putting out to the world with my music. And um, it gave me a lot of time to plan for whenever this is all eventually over. But I do really miss all my co-writers and live events. Yeah, there is kind of that up and down aspect of it all like you know if you if we didn't have the pandemic you'd kind of be go 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 and you wouldn't have that time to let's say really reflect mm-hmm. um but yeah when on your downtime even for all of us I'm sure have had that time to reflect and you know what goals we want to accomplish and all that definitely yeah that's exactly it I feel like there is a silver lining and did you take up any new hobbies I tried to. I downloaded Duolingo, the app where you can like learn other languages. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to brush up on my French, but unfortunately, I didn't do quite a good job of that. And um, I kind of tried to get into video editing a little bit more and focus more on perfecting my instruments and that type of thing. But I watched my sisters. I have two younger sisters. They both picked up quite a few hobbies. So I kind of just kept with my own and watched them do that. What can we look forward to in 2021? Are there any projects you're working on? Yes. um, I've been working with Chris on a few more projects and other producers um, like Ian Smith. And I'm really, really excited to release that. I feel like this single was the first one to really get the ball rolling. So I'm so excited to start releasing more music. And then hopefully um, one day soon I'll be able to plan for a live event, which would be super cool. But With the great feedback I received, I'm so happy about it, and I'm really, really excited to keep going. And if listeners want to connect with you online and get a copy of I Love You Too Much, what's the best way they could do that? All of my socials are at McKaylin Music, and McKaylin is spelled M-I-K-A-L-Y-N. So you can reach out to me on any of those. And then my Spotify is just McKaylin, so you can check out I Love You Too Much there and on any streaming platform. It was great speaking with you, Mikhail, and thank you for joining me on New Music on the Region podcast. Thank you so, so much for having me. Did you want to take us out with your latest track? I would love to. I would love to. This is Mikhail Hay, and you're listening to I Love You Too Much on 105.9 The Region. New music. New music on 105.9 The Region.
Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.